Hey there, folks. It's time for another Talkin' Talkies. As always, I am Dan, and I am joined by Chris. Man, that was like the most exciting intro you've ever done. <laughs> like, it's time for Talkin' Talkies. It's almost like you were bored. But how could you be bored? It's Mel Brooksuary! And GiantMediaBall.com. It's like a giant ball made of media without the fleas. Yes. Thank you for that tag. Oh, and thank you, Giant Media Ball. We are so happy to be part of you. We're so happy to be inside of you. Yeah, we're yeah, we're inside the giant ball made of media. <laughs> we sure are. So thank you guys for continuing to tune in every single week. And we are in the middle of Mel Brooksuary. For those of you guys following along, you know what that's about. But if you're not just going to fill you in. We're watching Mel Brooks movies every week for the month of February. We're going to do four Mel Brooks movies. Last week, we started off with The Producers. And this week, we're talking about Blazing Saddles. Yes, yes, yes. Blazing Saddles. 1974 is Blazing Saddles. That's right. 1974. Yeah. Wow. A full 10 years older than I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're a young whippersnapper. Well, not really. I'm in my 30s now. I mean, like, the cusp of 30, but still, 30s nonetheless. A young man. Yes. So, uh, Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Blazing Saddles? Well, what in the wild, wild world of sports are you doing? <laughs> Uh, I guess the basic idea of Blazing Saddles is a corrupt politician. Oh, wow, that was a stretch. Um, Never heard of that before. uh, They're building the Continental Railroad, I guess, at the time, right? Yes. And uh, they have to divert the tracks because it's headed for uh, a bunch of quicksand. So they're going to put it through this town. And the politician says, oh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drive all the people out of the town. I'll buy it for really cheap. And then when it becomes a major stop on the railroad, I will be rich. So he has to come up with a way to drive everyone out of town. Right. Now let's talk about uh, who's working on this railroad, because this is back in the Old West. So everybody working on the railroad are a bunch of. And guys, I'm going to tell you guys right now, this is going to be not safe for work content. Thanks to this movie and the genius of Mel Brooks. But the people working on the railroad are, and I quote, just a bunch of niggers and chinks. And it's said so casually. <laughs> just, just a bunch of niggers and chinks. And yes, there's going to be a lot of N-words involved with this film, but none of it is said in legit seriousness. It's all done in good fun and humor. In fact... Um, I don't remember who the the actual stat was about who didn't actually want to say the line. But uh, I think that was in the, the trivia. But somebody just didn't want to say it in front of Cleavon Little. And he's like, all right, look, it's okay. It's just part of the script. It's all for fun. If you said it on the street, I'd probably kill you. But we're having fun. So just get over it. Yes. So, anytime either of us say it this episode, it'll be a direct quote from the movie. So, yes. 
So <laughs> they can't afford to lose any horses by sending them over to investigate the quicksand. So they send a couple of niggers, of course, because that's the theme of the movie. And they almost lose a $400 hand car in the quicksand. <laughs> Good to have their priorities in line. So here's the deal. The politician in question is the governor, and he is played brilliantly by the man himself, Mel Brooks. Just a, a perfect role for Brooks to play, because he's a corrupt politician. What, what do they even suggest? They're going to gas him out. And he's like, that's too Jewish or something like that. Yeah. God. Like that. Yeah. So uh, Mel Brooks's big suggestion is to drive all the people out of town. And the way to do it is to send Bart, Cleavon Little's character, in to be their new sheriff. Because by giving them a black sheriff when they don't have one, Oh, that'll drive them out for sure. And they actually saves him from being hung. Yes, because he hit uh, Slim Pickens with the shovel after saving himself from the <laughs> yes. sand. <laughs> Just the, oh man, Headley Lamar, played by Harvey Corman. Hey, Hedy Lamar, it's Headley, Headley. So, into town rides Bart, and the townspeople, who are all named Johnson, every single one of them, including Howard Johnson, who is part of the town. Who has an orange roof. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Howard Johnson's right. And uh, Gabby Johnson, who's like the town... The town. I don't know. I guess there's always like that town wacko. You can't even call him the town drunk because he's not. He's the, you know, the type, the real hillbilly type, wearing the overalls, kicking their legs back and forth, yeehaw type. And uh, the sheriff's riding into town. They've got this big, got this big ceremony waiting for him. I'll provide you a laurel and a handshake. Yes, yes, laurel and a hearty handshake <laughs> to our brand new. Nigger. <laughs> and Bart's here, and he is the sheriff in town. And uh, yeah, nobody really cares. Well, somebody cares. And this is when we get introduced to Jim, the town drunk, played, of course, by Gene Wilder. Because who else? Who else could possibly be in this role? Um, Jim used to be known as the Waco Kid. He was the fastest shooter in the West. In the entire world. Oh, yes, the entire world. That's right. <laughs> and they're playing chess. He's like, all right, try to take that king. And, of course, the fact that the white guy is white and the black guy is black was, I don't think, lost on anybody. <laughs> but he, uh, he claims he can't be the kid anymore because he just can't shoot. Just like, look at everyone, everyone was, uh, everyone and their mother would challenge him, and he'd killed so many people. And then one day, someone behind him told him to reach for his gun, and he turned around and was a little kid. And he's like, I threw my gun down and walked away, and the kid shot me in the ass. <laughs> yeah, he shot me in the ass. <laughs> so, he, uh, he, he gets his skills back. 
which is great because he uh, brings him back to the he brings him back to the railroad builders. Um, I feel like I'm missing a plot point here. Oh, I know which point it was. When he goes, the sheriff goes out on the street. <laughs> well, good morning, ma'am. She goes up yours, nigger. <laughs> He's sitting there comforting him. He's like, well, what did you expect? Welcome, Sonny. Make yourself at home. Marry my daughter. You've got to remember, these are just simple farmers. They're people of the land, the common clay of the New West. You know, morons. But he realizes what's going to happen to the town, and he wants to save the town. So they come up with this awesomely brilliant plan to get everybody on their side and uh, she she makes up with she makes up with him for her up yours comment by baking him a pie that she's like but don't tell anybody we spoke but that's all because of mongo came into town yes that's right they send <laughs> they send in mongo mongo cool <laughs> it's like he's riding what is he riding like an ox or something? Yeah, <laughs> it's got it's got the yes and no painted on the back like old school buses, so you know which lane is safe to pass. Uh, but he, uh, he's like, I'll just shoot him. No, don't do that. He'll just get mad. So instead, he dresses up like a messenger and delivers a candy gram. Candy gram for Mongo. Candy gram for Mongo. <laughs> Mongo like candy, and it's just a piece of dynamite that blows up in his face. <laughs> he runs out with the Looney Tunes theme playing. God. <laughs> at this point of the movie, I'd probably belly laughed at least <laughs> 12 or 13 times. <laughs> Because we, we'd already had the uh, campfire fart scene. Oh my god! Yes, please talk about that because I know that's one of your uh, one of your facts. It is documented as the first movie to ever have fart noises as part of the soundtrack. Yes, and th- they came up with it because they said in all those old westerns, all the guys ever ate were black coffee and beans. They're like, I think that would produce a lot of farting. They're like, well, let's make that into a scene for the movie, and they did. So they're all in a circle at the campfire. <laughs> Eating beans. And just farting. Farting and burping. <laughs> and Mongo's all chained up, so they send him in. Uh, well, Mongo ends up becoming friends with the sheriff. Because he's uh, the only man that could ever de- ever defeated him or whatever. Right. And he's like, I think he's taking a liking to you. And he's like, no, no, Mongo's straight. <laughs> That's not what he meant, but all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> meanwhile, while this is going on, you we keep seeing glimpses of the governor, who is, like we said, a corrupt politician, and all he's doing is just banging his secretary behind the curtain every single time. Uh, so what happens next, Dan? Uh, what was the, the next plan? of attack by the bad guys was uh yeah they're gonna they're gonna hire all the criminals oh yes they're gonna get they all, all the criminals that they possibly can as <laughs> to, and Henley's gonna lead them into the town to just take it over by force so they get uh, all kinds of people to show up to sign up and the and Bart 
and the Waco Kid show up to see what's going on. And in this group are, you know, cattle rustlers and your your regular yeah. uh, Western villains. And then there's Nazis. Yeah, there's Nazis. <laughs> <And> there's <laughs> Mexican cartel. Yes. <laughs> the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> who they uh, they distract to disguise themselves as? Hey, look what I found over here! Where are all the white women at? <laughs> uh, I also love when they're qualifying for applicants. And it's like, what are your qualifications? Oh, let's see: rape, murder, arson, rape. You said rape twice. Well, I like rape. <laughs> and then they shoot the guy for chewing gum. Because he didn't bring enough for everyone. He didn't bring enough for everyone in the line. Oh, but this thing, like, during that scene, Headley shoots his Derringer three times, and they can only hold two bullets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And you know what? The thing is, is, like, in a Mel Brooks movie, when they say, when, when things are, like, you know, fuck-ups or whatever, and they, like, at the end, it's always, like, these could have all been on purpose. <laughs> You know, I think a lot of them just are because it's Mel Brooks. Movie. There's all these times where they're like, and in the background you can see power lines. <laughs> like, yeah, but at the end of the movie they end up in in Hollywood. So yeah, it's like, so it, ma- it makes sense in the long run in modern day Hollywood. Yeah. and it's it's Mel Brooks. It's supposed to be satire. This isn't an Ed Wood movie. This is a Plan Nine for Outer Space. Come on, guys. Oh, man. So they come up with this brilliant plan to build a fake town. And they recruit all the all the black and Chinese from earlier to build it. They're going to lead everybody in there with a toll booth that they set up in the middle of the desert. Yes. Yeah. Someone's got to go back and get a shitload of that. <laughs> Oh man! Slim Pickens has that has that delivery dough. <laughs> Slim Pickens, uh, f- freaking awesome name, Slim Pickens. <laughs> and they've got the uh, they got the vaudeville show, Lily von Schnoop, the yeah. German. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the second plan. They were gonna get her to like, uh, him to fall in love with her, and then she'd like abandon him, and so he'd get all depressed and leave town or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and she and she does like her big musical act, and she's all about how she doesn't want to fuck anymore. <laughs> she's tired of fucking. <laughs> Excuse me, are you part of the act? No, man. Get your goddamn feet off the stage. And by that guy, uh, that wasn't his voice. That was Mel Brooks' voice. Yep. Mel Brooks did two voiceovers, I think. And then also during that scene when like the four uh, army guys show up in the background. The one guy that says everything during the song, that's not that guy that was also Mel Brooks again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, was that Mel Brooks? And then again, it, just like in uh, The Producers, there's a guy on stage that gives a line, and it's not him in the movie, not his voice in the movie. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the plan comes together. They made the town, find out it's fake. And then they get into a gigantic brawl, and that's when the movie just decides, screw it, it's time to break some fourth walls, because that's what Mel Brooks because does the best. the camera pans away, and you can see it's a real town again. 
and then you all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, there's other buildings. Wait, that's Warner Brothers Studio. <laughs> yep. And they're brawling out to the street where there's cars coming by, and they they end up on another set. Oh yes, they're doing some musical number about the yeah. French mistake. Yeah, the French mistake. That's it. <laughs> Hands on your hips, stick out your tush. <laughs> It's so obvious that every single performer is gay. <laughs> then that they get into the big brawl. They end yeah. up. <laughs> they lead to the commissary, or all the. <laughs> there's an actor dressed up as Hitler, and they're like, and the other guy asks him what he has left, and he's like, "Oh, I'll be done this afternoon or whatever." <laughs> yeah. And this big food fight happens. Yeah. <laughs> and then the one guy gets thrown across the entire counter, which includes like a turn. And then the freaking lady at the end at the <laughs> figures <laughs> out what's on him and starts ringing it up. Yeah. She's like, "You got the mashed potatoes, the pecan pie." <laughs> oh my god! And the tuna surprise. <laughs> and the best part is when they got out into the street, there was somebody who walked in who wasn't part of the filming. He was literally just a guy who walked on and just stopped and watched. So they left him in anyway because they thought it was funny. Because they're like, that's exactly how we'd want him to react. But there's also like everyone comes streaming out of the of, of Warner Brothers and they all just take off in different directions. And then uh, Headley comes walking out and you can see people have stopped running because they were off camera. And then all of a sudden they realize they're back. <laughs> they realize they're back and they start running again. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Headley just wants to be taken out of this picture. But he ends up going to Groman's Chinese theater to see the movie. Or Blazing Saddles is performing. Which, which, by the way, there is a, a, a mistake because there is um, a poster, I think, at the theater for Black Bart, which was the original right. name of the, the original movie. title. In fact, the uh, the original scene actually had Black Bart on the marquee. They had to go Do over post. it. Yeah, Do you, you can tell it's in post because it's moving awkwardly, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So he goes into the movie and then he sees in the movie that Bart is just like right outside and so he's like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> So then they're like, they go in, they're like, let's see how the movie ends. And it ends with them riding off into the sunset only to get into a limo. (laughs) Oh, my God. Blazing Saddles. This movie is just one of the funniest damn movies that you're ever going to watch. Now, here's the thing, guys. If you like Mel Brooks, you're going to love this movie. If you like westerns, you're going to love this movie. If you just like to laugh, you're going to love this movie. <laughs> well, all right. Maybe, like, if, if you're really a big western fan, you might just be like, uh, this is too much for me. But western satire is good, and this is probably the best western satire film ever made. Yeah. Sorry, Seth MacFarlane. You tried. Even though I did actually enjoy that movie, yeah, there's, it's no just blazing saddles. It's, it, but this is another one of those films that's just way too tough of an act to follow. That's why and, he uh, waited like thirty years, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's uh, forty let's, years, almost forty years. Yeah, let's kick off with just a couple of a uh, couple of things that you guys said. Um, we asked for a couple of comments, and you guys kind of spread them out all over the place. 
instead of just putting them in the group and making it easy for us. So we actually had to work for this. So thanks, thanks guys. We appreciate that. I mean, in um, the end, we just copy and paste or just read from the screen. So, but yeah, you know, yeah. Um, Denzel Thomas was a big fan of the through the Vatican line. Oh yeah, <laughs> it said, uh, what, "What did you do?" And they're just like. Uh, what did he say? What was it that he did? Oh, God. I, 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 there's too many lines. I actually, like, start forgetting them after a while. Actually, have he to look it up. something that's just like, oh, it's naughty, but it's not necessarily an evil thing to do. Oh, yeah, stampeding cattle. That was it. That's not much <laughs> of a crime. Through the Vatican. Kinky. Sign <laughs> <laughs> so here. That was the, that's when they were the Klansmen. Yep. And that's when he grabs the paper and then he sees that his hands are black and he's like, no, no, I told you, I told you to wash up afterwards. God. Uh, we're working number six on him. Well, I'm afraid I'm not familiar with that one. Well, that's where we go riding into town, a wampin' and a whoopin', every living thing that moves with an inch of its life. Except the women folk, of course. You spare the women? No, we rape the shit out of them at the number six dance later on. Jesus. That's another freaking great line. Also Slim Pickens again. <laughs> yeah. Slim Pickens was like... He had most of the awful things to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mike Irizarry of the Pie Crust <laughs> offered his favorite quote, which is when the sheriff's riding into town and Gaffney's on top of the building. Like, can you see the sheriff? And he looks, he goes, yeah, he's riding it now. The sheriff is a nit. And they, the bell goes off. They're like, what'd you say? The sheriff is near? No, dog now, but I said he's a nit. And the bell goes off a second time. <laughs> Because it's noon. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> oh, man. Did they, like, someone was like, oh, that's just, like, what happened in blah, blah, blah. Wasn't it called uh, uh, Lower Midnight or something? Yeah, Lower Midnight. <laughs> Instead of High Noon. <laughs> <laughs> um, another, okay. another moment. Uh, Chris McGinnis offers his thoughts. He said that the French mistake is easily one of his favorite sequences in a movie because a couple of years ago, he was actually an ensemble and local theater production of the producers. One of the roles that he played was one of the terrible auditioners for springtime for Hitler. And during the scene, he attempted to do the choreography for the French mistake during warmups. He's like, I don't think anyone got it except for me, but that's fine. Sometimes you just got to do it for you. And of course, he also loves the. Never mind that shit. Here comes Mongo. He calls him the worst horseman ever, and that includes Paul Roma. So, so thanks for that little wrestling tie-in, Chris. <laughs> oh man! And then I, I believe you had a quote that you really like, or oh, you had yes, a comment. I have something from Mark Fernandez, a guy I met through the uh, Wax Museum with Ronnie Dark radio show that's in Syracuse area. Uh, he says one of my favorite lines. Uh, toward the beginning is uh, Mel Brooks when he's like, "We've got to protect our phony baloney job." <laughs> yes, <laughs> again, a corrupt politician. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, and he's like that he could he couldn't see any real politician saying that any better. And his other favorite moment was when Mongo punched a horse, which is actually a reference to Caesar Caesar Romero. Since Caesar, uh, who Mel Brooks used to work for, said that he 
once uh, punched a horse <laughs> and knocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I found I found the lyric for the French mistake. Throw up your hands, stick out your tush, hands on your hips, give them a push. You'll be surprised you're doing the French mistake. Voila! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Send a wire to the main office. Tell them I said, ow! Send wire, main office, tell them I said, ow. Gotcha. Uh, there's, this is one of those movies that is way too quotable. <laughs> uh, so any of them are NSFW. <laughs> yes, don't listen to this podcast at work, which is probably too late to tell you that. <laughs> I'm pro- I'm going to have to write NSFW. NSFW, yes, in in the uh, description. Explicit uh, content, people. All right, so I've got some facts. I got the Hollywood facts, bro. Let's talk the money. Let's talk the money. Remember last week, the producers, which is still to this day only made about eleven percent of its budget back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but this movie, on the other hand, cost two point six million to make and has made about one hundred and nineteen point five million in America alone today. So. Nice. I'm making a note here. Huge success. <laughs> nice. Well played. Well played. Let's let's talk Oscar nominations. Remember la- during the for the producers, he unexpectedly won the best original screenplay. But in this one, they didn't win any, but they did get 3 nominations and they are best supporting actress for Madeline Kahn, which is crazy cuz she's in about 15 minutes of the entire movie. <laughs> they also got nominated for Best Film Editing and Best Original Song, and that would be Blazing Saddles, the opening number, which, of course, was lyrics by Mel Brooks. Of course. It's actually a great song because it sounds legit. Like, it's a ser- it's going to be a serious Western. Well, that was the whole point because uh, I believe the casting call he was looking for, I don't remember the name of the guy, but he was looking for someone like that guy. And that guy showed up. <laughs> he showed up. He's like, he's like, I'll do it. Um, and the guy thought it was a legit, like, actual Western movie they were making. And Mel was like, don't, no one tell him. Because <laughs> we want the opening number to be legit. Like, it's an actual regular Western about to happen. <laughs> and then this movie comes afterwards. <laughs> um. I think one of my favorite facts about this movie is the fact that uh, they offered a role to John Wayne, the Duke. Oh, yes. And he's like, he <laughs> he's like he the part where it's like, it, right? it's like, blow it out your ass. It's like, we want you to be in it. And Duke was like, listen, I can't do a movie like this, but I'll be the first in line to come see it. <laughs> Uh, okay, um, and that would be a Frankie uh, Frankie Lane was the guy you were looking for. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This the sang the sanger, uh, the sanger. A couple of uh, casting things like Mel Brooks wanted Richard Pryor to play Bart originally, but the studio was like, no, he does drugs. <laughs> okay, so so he's like, well, then I'll have him be one of the writers, and they're like, okay, yeah. So that's why it was okay for him saying the N-word all the time, because Richard Pryor wrote it. Richard Pryor wrote it, of course. 
wrote that shit down. He's the one that came up with Ma the name Mongo as well. That's attributed to Richard Pryor. And another casting thing is that Gig Young was originally cast as the Waco Kid. But when he showed up, he was actually drunk instead of acting to be drunk. And he was unreliable. So Mel Brooks called Gene Wilder, who immediately got on a plane and went over there. And like the next day, he was, he was playing Waco Kid. And those are all the facts I have. Do you have anything interesting you would want to discuss? I think I've t we've discussed pretty much all the really interesting facts of the movie. Again, guys, if you've never actually seen this movie, and hopefully you have, because the whole point of this podcast is that you watch the movie with us so you can listen to us discuss it. But honestly, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, you got to go out and watch this movie. This is... When it comes to really recommending a film, like this is one that I think everybody has to see. It is a brilliantly written comedy, and it's proof to me that I feel like a lot of our modern comedies just don't hold up to the classics the way they should. And I think a lot of that is just has to do with Mel, guys like Mel Brooks, who were just way ahead of their time and absolute geniuses. Oh, you hear the big Mel Brooks news this week? What's that? Spaceballs 2, a possibility. Yes. The search yes. for more money, or whatever, the quest for more money, or whatever. The only thing is, I don't know if I want it. I know I'm going to see it, but I just don't know if I want it. That's but, one uh, of the ones that he was actually really surprised at how well it did, because he didn't really know the source material that much. Yeah, but it did exceedingly well. He knew the source material enough. <laughs> so. I. <sighs> so, yes, Blazing Saddles is great. Um, overall thoughts, for me, one of the best. Dan? Awesome. Yes, that's all I gotta say. So, next week, we're gonna watch Young Frankenstein, which will be yet another Gene Wilder role. Yep, it came out the same year, and actually, I believe part of what? his cast, yeah. he talked about uh, how, oh, I know what movie you should make next, Mel, and he's like, what? And like, I have this idea for a Frankenstein one, and he's like, let's do it tomorrow! <laughs> <laughs> yup! <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about next week. So, uh, guys, you got one week to get a copy of Young Frankenstein, watch it. Have a laugh, and we will see you next week. Bye.